Blog Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Joey Molly. Welcome to the Freakish Well-Behaved Kids. Glad you're here today. This series of podcasts is dedicated to helping parents and other people who are connected to children help children behave and be their best. I'm in a unique position to share this information with you because I've been a child counselor and play therapist for over 25 years. I'm also a mom. I learned many of the lessons from my child clients and my own children that I'll be sharing with you today and in the other podcast. It's informed my parenting as well as my parent consulting and coaching that I do as part of my clinical practice. I recognize in working with thousands of children and parents that there are some simple principles for parenting. I'll cover more than 20 principles for blissful parenting so you too can have freakishly well-behaved kids. These uh, principles are simple and life-altering. They will challenge and enhance the relationships you have with children and how children behave, how you feel about yourself around children, and improve your overall parenting and esteem. In this podcast, I'm joined again by my friend, Faye Sweat, and um, we're getting more in-depth about becoming perfectly whelmed. Faye is a full-time marketing professional with more side hustles than she can count, including her lifestyle and beauty log, and you can find that at Rip current blog. Her perspective as a 20-something-year-old in a fast-paced society will serve to reinforce our conversation about normalizing rather than pathologizing. So that's what we're really going to focus on. We're going to focus on today how we can do that as people and as parents. For more information on parenting, check out my book that has inspired, uh, that was inspired by children and the conversations in this podcast titled Freakishly Well-Behaved Kids. You can find additional resources for parents and professionals and just people who want to become perfectly whelmed at www.integrativecounseling.us. So welcome, Faye. I'm glad you're back. Hi, Jody. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> yes, it's lovely, lovely. So last time we talked, we were talking about like this idea, really, of being perfectly whelmed and what we thought we could, well, how it came up, which was that both of us were like super, super overwhelmed and trying to figure out how we could um, hold each other accountable for bringing down the overwhelm in our life. And you came up with this term, per- we need to be perfectly whelmed. Um, and, so, <laughs> um, and so here we are talking um, about that. And last time we really were just talking about the concept, but today we wanted to get into a little bit more of the nitty gritty of it. And again, my role will be in talking about how parents can apply this um, so that uh, they're not becoming or, well, they already are. So I don't even know why I'm saying becoming. Uh, I was going to say, so they're not becoming overwhelmed in that aspect of their lives too, and then not able to enjoy parenthood. But I know being a parent and and having connections to parents professionally and per, um, per, professionally and personally is that forget it. We're already there. We're already overwhelmed. So um, I'm, I'm going to get that parenting perspective, and um, and we're going to get started with that. So I wanted to start by asking you a question, Faye, is since our last uh, conversation about this, are there things that you've become aware of 
that you realize can wait because today we're talking about absolutely like, right like pruning our to-do list okay so what are some of the things I'm just curious you know not I don't want to pry too much but uh, just what are some of the things that you realize you know what this can wait right so I think before not only was I not able to downsize my to-do list I also was kind of over committing myself and I think those tend to go hand in hand um, so once I stopped over committing myself to too many deadlines, I started looking at my to-do list and the things that I felt could really wait were answering certain emails that didn't need a response from me, even though sometimes I felt like they did. Um, mm. so it was kind of prioritizing my mental health and saying like, all right, this can wait till tomorrow. It's stressing me out a little bit too much. This person doesn't need my time right this second, but they can have it tomorrow. Yeah. So little things I, like that. And And I do think, I mean, yeah, I love that you just said little things because it's not actually a little thing like and I don't remember if we talked about this last time, but I, I know that we talked about it in private conversations is that like I will literally go to open my email and already feel my anxiety like rev up big time. And and right. I know when I feel that I'm certainly not even close to being perfectly whelmed. Um, and when you were saying about like there are emails that can wait. Um, and, you know, we talked about before how technology makes it, everything seem like it should be done instantaneously is I just wanted <laughs> to like honor that even though Google or Gmail might nudge you and say, it's been three days <laughs> since you first read this email <laughs> or since this email was, um, you know, showed up. Uh, like I looked at my email this morning and I, it, you know, there was one that said, it's been five days. Would you like to reply? And I was like, no, because this can wait another day. Exactly. Um, right. So it's not only are we doing it to ourselves and it's happening in the culture, but even now technology is like, you know, kind of um, doing that to us. So it really does take a lot to be able to do that. So what's worked for you in being able to say like, no, I am going to wait no matter what kind of pushes I'm feeling. Right. So I think it's like a guilt thing too. So when I see an email nudge, I'm like, oh, I really should get to that. But hitting that dismiss button is one of the most relieving things you can possibly do. So just, just having the honest like power to just dismiss a nudge or put something at the bottom of your to-do list. I even created a to-do list that has for today and for tomorrow. And I will literally go on my for today and move things over that don't need my immediate attention. And that helps a lot. Yeah. Well, I love um, also that you just shared that dismissing the nudge is like this amazing feeling. So I'm just going to ask the people that are listening to dismiss a nudge today, dismiss the nudge tomorrow, just test out what <laughs> test out phase theory and see if you do feel that. And if it does give you that, like, ah, I just dismissed the nudge feeling is to, you know, to definitely keep doing it. Um, you don't need to be nudged. You know you have to do these things. And then, say, right. as you were saying that, I was thinking about, okay, so that, like, we, we literally get these nudges on our Gmail. But I'm wondering, like, what are the nudges that we feel on the day-to-day -day, and how do we dismiss those nudges for things that truly can wait? truly can wait. So, right. So any ideas as, as we were that? just talking about that, right. So I was just thinking, because that's definitely, it's not just a Gmail thing. It's like a life thing. So <laughs> yeah. I actually recently, a few weeks ago, this is like a general, a generational thing. Um, but everyone in my generation uses Snapchat, like on a daily basis. And mm -hmm. that used to stress me out. So I'm in all of these group chats and all of these people 
need my immediate attention, or at least it felt that way. And I just decided a couple weeks ago to turn off all notifications for Snapchat. And I also, during certain parts of the day, if I'm working, I'll turn off my, my text notifications because that's just too much for me during the day to handle. Mm-hmm. And I'll yeah. get to it when I get to it. And nobody, nobody needs me that urgently. Right, right. So those well, are other I, little things. Yeah, I think that is, um, you know, that actually gels with research. So some of the research coming out says that when we get a notification on our phone, even if it's something like, drink your water, <laughs> you know, like it's a nothing notification. Those stress me out. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, then maybe that's not a good example. But any notification <laughs> we get on our phone, regardless of what kind of um, like value we give to it, if it's negative or positive or neither, right, is that all of them raise our cortisol level. So all of them trigger our stress hormone to get jacked up every little notification that we get. So what you were doing intuitively. I would absolutely believe that. Yeah, right? It also jives really well with what's coming out science-wise in saying that all that does not serve us. It just makes us more stressed out. There's no way if periodically during the day you're getting those notifications that and it's raising your cortisol that you can become perfectly well it's just not going to happen and and I think about um, as parents how many of those are connected to our kids right and so um, I'm just going to share an example is um, you you know my um, son is a teenager he's 17 him and his friends drive um, and they're seniors in high school and they were talking about um, that they're all they're, they're all on this uh, that life life 360 app where you get notifications when your kids walk through the door and when they're speeding and when all of these kind of things and I know you can um, set it up in all different ways and I've decided not to do it um, I just thought you know I asked my son to keep the location on his phone on so when he doesn't text me and I start to get worried I, I can see if I can find him um, but um, I felt like like that, like that just served to keep everyone, in, you know, in this kind of stressed out place. Now, I also want to say I do get like why parents um, would use that and why that that why that's helpful. But it doesn't. Uh, you don't have to become like owned by it. And I think that these like that notifications create this thing about like everything has to be done that moment. Uh, it creates this illusion. Right. And so, so when you were saying about um, under committing, I, I was, I was really relating to that. And so <laughs> one, of the, one of the things that I've decided to do um, since our last conversation um, in terms of under committing, and I, I, I don't know if under committing is exactly the right word, but that's what it feels like to me. So if you asked me to get something for you, um, like I, you, you said, hey, you know, Jody, I need those, um, you know, those uh, webinar descriptions you promised. Um, if my, if what I want to say to you is, I'll have those for you Monday. I'm pushing it ahead another day. So, so what I'm trying to do is. Oh, what a great down, idea! I love that. Right? I'm trying to slow down my like, oh, I'll get that for you Monday to turn it to, I'll get that for you Tuesday. So even just giving that 24 hour buffer. And then I was thinking about how I do that at home and um, in my role as a, as a mom and as a, a parent. And I was, if I'm honest with myself, I drop everything 
when my kids ask me something and I watch my friends, um, you know, do it as well. So if my son says, hey, um, I need, you know, I need a pair of cleats for uh, football, I literally stop what I'm doing and get online and be like, okay, what are we ordering? And, you know, and, but, and, and if you do yeah. that so many times a day, he didn't need me to order those cleats at that moment. And so what, how long can that wait? And having conversations with your kids or having conversations with the other people in your lives, I think it doesn't, it doesn't matter, but it is super important to have these conversations with your kids and family about like, how long can that wait? Right. Right. So it's not, I think it's super interesting too, that that's like a cultural thing. Yeah, for sure. You know, that your immediate instinct is to drop everything and take care of your kids, which is great, but definitely immediately overwhelms you. Yes, yes. And and I do think that important, I really want to highlight this and then talk about it some more with you, is I really think the issue is to not say, like, can this wait, <laughs> but how long can this wait, right? And right. So, because it, I mean, most of the, most things can wait, right? And if you say, how long can this wait? And your kid says, like, no, I like, I, it absolutely has to happen now. Then I think, again, your role as a parent and a safe boss gets to say like, actually it can, it can wait until at least after dinner. So let's finish what, you know, let's finish what we're doing and um, have dinner and then I'll do it after dinner. But I, I think being able to say that, you know, is super important. It's, it's setting a boundary with yourself right. and with your family. Right. And I think that's applicable just in any relationship, you know, whether that's somebody that you're dating, someone you're married to, your coworkers, I think setting, setting healthy boundaries for your own mental sanity is a great thing and a great skill to learn sooner than later. Yeah, yes, uh, you know, for sure. So, so one of the things, you know, I um, had asked you what you, like what you've become aware of that can we, and you really said like emails is absolutely something. And, and I, I think I was already, <laughs> I was already in that camp that, that there are emails that can wait. But I was also thinking about like uh, the things that are important to me. Having a tidy house is important to me, but there are things about it that can wait. And if it's the choice between, and these were like literally choices that I had um, one day this week because I overcommitted um, with my choice was <laughs> sleep. <laughs> right, get up, uh, get up and go uh, for a run, or um, take care of the laundry. And I was like, right. "All right, let's put this into perspective. I could go meet. Maybe I can go for a run later. Maybe I won't get a run in at all, but uh, that will be okay." Um, and then I thought about the laundry, and I said, "Well, we everybody has clean clothes to wear. It's not like that." There wasn't clean clothes to wear. Um, and, but what I really need is sleep, and that is self-care, you know. And so being able to say that without uh, being, you know, feeling guilty, the word you used before, I think is super important, without feeling guilty about that. And then the other thing that occurred to me, just as I'm saying this, is actually I don't have to do the laundry. There are two other people in my home who are more than capable <laughs> of doing it, even if they don't fold the clothes right. the way I like them folded. <laughs> and if I so I think that goes back to our Venn diagram, too, like yeah. what you have to do, what you want to do, and what others need or want you to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how, we, and how we put that on our, you know, how we put that on ourselves. And so 
I think, you know, um, you know, part of this, like, under committing, right, is under committing even to yourself uh, about some of those things on that diagram, some of the things that are, um, like, that I have to, I have to do it, but I, but I think the part that was missing, you know, in just looking at that diagram, if we want to make it a little bit more complex, is I have to do it now. I have to do it today. I might have to do it, right, whatever it is, but I don't, but the time is an important factor in that. And, and we need to prioritize our mental health because if I feel like I have to do everything now, first of all, that's impossible. But secondly, is that then where is taking care of our mental health, right? If I'm not going to go out for the day without taking time to brush my teeth, taking care of my dental health, then why aren't I doing something first thing in the morning to take care of my mental health and making that commitment to myself? Right, exactly. And I think it's a lot more realistic to be, you know, to undercommit yourself. Just it's too easy to overcommit. Yeah. So have you found even like, and I know it's, you know, we've only been kind of practicing this um, a bit, um, is have you felt it difficult to like make that switch even in small ways? Um, sometimes it really depends what it is. Um, I think just me as a person, I tend to overcommit when it comes to work. Um, but I don't have a hard time setting those boundaries with like my family and friends. Mm-hmm. So I've been working on, on, you know, the email thing and, and setting like a longer time frame for myself to get projects done rather than trying to get everything done for everybody the same day. Cause it's just not realistic and it's very stressful. But I think yeah. in my everyday life, it's a lot easier for me to make those, um, little changes. So, you know, putting putting my physical and mental health first for me in my daily life is not as hard. Right. Yeah. And I and I and I was thinking as you were saying that uh, if you have a family that might, you know, like, a, um, and, you know, if you have children and become a parent, that that might change. Um, and I think that. Oh, I'm sure that, that would be very different. Yeah. For the record, <laughs> I have no kids. <laughs> um, and but but I think I don't. I think it's important that it doesn't dramatically change. Like, I think that was so like hearing you say, I'm good at setting boundaries with my family and friends. I think, you know, like that's excellent. It shows that, you know, you know how to do it. Um, And, and I think that, um, you know, so many of us were as parents work so hard to to do our best. And we're, of course we make mistakes every single day as parents. I know I do. Um, But it's, but we're, but we really, it's really important to us to, to at least not mess it up completely, right? And so I think that that's <laughs> part of why we wind up doing that, drop everything and, and do it. And the other thing I was thinking about in terms of my to-dos is those things aren't on my to-do list. You know, when, when my son or daughter, who my daughter's in college, but when she asked me, hey, can you send me X? you know, in the mail, I like right away, like if we don't have it in the house, I'm going to go out and buy it, then I'm going to package it, then I'm going to go to the post office, like that's <laughs> a good 45 minutes of my time that uh, one, I drop everything into for the most part, I mean, obviously, I still go to work and see my um, clients and things like that. But if I, but if I was working from home, and I'm doing more like administrative stuff or things that, um, you know, can uh, that I can do without like being overtly connected to another person, 
Or if I was going to go do something for me, now I might put that off. And I think it's, again, really important to be asking ourselves is not, is not only do I need to do this, but do I need to do this now? And that, that is part because it doesn't show up on our typical to-do list if we're, you know, if we're creating them and we're really encouraging you to create one, but to also put things on your to-do list that have you, you, <laughs> have you and, and only you in mind <laughs> right and prioritizing your mental like health right on that so you know for me one of the things that I've made non-negotiable is if I have yoga on my schedule or if I have um some uh, movement really is helps me right keep my mental health right. intact as you know in the same so way I, I right and if I have that on my schedule that is non-negotiable. And even if my um, daughter really needs me to mail it out by tomorrow, okay, let's see. Um, let's see what your other resources are because I'm about to leave for yoga, you know, and that's, and, and that right. is actually important. And I talk about it in Freakishly Well-Behaved Kids because that's a version of saying no to your child and your child needs to hear you say no. And so do other members of your, you know, of your circles. And I think that's what you were, part of what you were saying, Faye. Right. Yeah. I can't, I mean, I'm sure you could speak to this, but I'm sure that it's even more difficult to, you know, to order things on your to-do list from, from importance when you have like kids relying on you. Whereas Mm -hmm. like, I don't have that kind of pressure in my daily life, (laughs) but I'm sure that parents struggle with that, like setting a boundary with their kids when, you know, you want to be a good parent and get everything done that they need from you and you have them relying on you constantly. Yeah. And that, and, of course, at um, at varying ages and with you know, ver- and and oh yeah, <laughs> so that, that that looks you know that looks way different when they're toddlers than when they're teenagers. Um, but uh, you know, I I don't and I don't want to take that for granted. I want to make sure that I'm there for my child. But the fact that like um, you know I, I'm dropped. And dropping everything and doing something when it doesn't need to be done. Like, I think that's it is like, is if it doesn't need to be done in that moment, what can you do about that? And that then also becomes this great life skill um, that you're modeling for your child in that they don't have, they don't have to do that either. Because right now what we're doing, you know, in terms of being, overcommitted and, you know, um, just at the mercy of our to-do list is we're modeling that for our children and they're going to wind up in the same place that we are, um, perhaps even worse, um, you know, <laughs> uh, in their adulthood. And even in their, I will say, I can even in some of my uh, youth clients that I have at my clinical practice, I can see it in, in teenagers because they're, they're overcommitted. Right and overwhelmed. Right. And I've actually noticed that. So if I, I know that uh, it's not really the same as like the way that you would model for your own kids, but I have a younger brother. So when Mm -hmm. I model those things, I notice that he does start to pick up on those, on those things that I do. Um, And he's in college right now. He's in his third year. So I, I would hope that, that those things would rub off on him. So he doesn't feel so overwhelmed in his last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that absolutely you have a lot of influence as a as a sibling, um, and you also have a lot of influence with your you know with your friends, um, you know too. Right. And I think that um, you know certainly 
uh, I think I can speak for you to uh, say about this is we are really encouraging, like if there was something that struck you here, you know, or um, in our conversation to have that conversation with your partner, with your friends, with your coworkers, have a conversation about like, guys, we are, you know, just, I mean, we are not taking care of ourselves and by overcommitting right. and um, putting too many things on our to-do list. And, and that's another thing that I've tried to take a look at. Um, like today, um, my to-do list, I was like, ah, that's kind of, that's kind of a lot. And one of the things is I, I had a friend who just had a baby and I wanted to, you know, go out and get a gift or get, you know, order one online. I wanted to do a gift for her um, and her baby. And it's on my to-do list for today. There is no reason I can't do that tomorrow. There's no reason I can't do that Sunday. And especially if I'm ordering something online, I can do it whenever. So I need, right. but I still on my list. And until I visually move that off my list, the pressure to do it is there. So it's so earlier day when you were talking about dismissing a nudge, that'll be when our conversation is over today is that'll be a nudge that I dismiss because I'm nudging myself and there's no reason I need to be nudged on that. Right. Absolutely not. Yeah. So being able to take some, so, so to be able to sort of like take a look at your to-do list and really like uh, to take time to look at your to-do list for a particular day or a particular week or however you map it out and to really scrutinize it. Um, what are some of the ways that, that you've been doing that? Right. So I actually started a Google document rather than having it on paper. Um, it just started <laughs> to stress me out. I would just have like this running list forever. And I found yeah. that if I do it on Google Docs, I can still cross things off. But then at the yeah. end of the week, anything I did that week is getting removed. I'm never looking at it again. <laughs> it is a layer <laughs> of my vision. And that actually helps a lot because I start to think about like, oh, well, this is how much I got done last week. And like, does this need my attention again? And I think it just helps a lot to be able to, you know, either throw that piece of paper out or remove something from a Google Doc and that, yeah. Yeah. So, you, well, and, and I think we, uh, you know, we talked about like for both of us are listers and both of us are like, oh, we like the feeling of crossing things off because it means Absolutely. something. We accomplish something, right? So even like this, I'm just looking at my to-do list for today and one of them is I just have to call and make an appointment, you know, with um, with a physician. And so like, okay, that will maybe take like five, 10 minutes of my time. And then I get to cross that, you know, I get to cross that off. And that feels good. So if that is something that feels good to you, we're not saying scrap your to-do list. We're saying scrutinize your to-do list. Really take a look at what can wait. And honestly, I don't need to call the doctors today, but I know it's an actually an easy thing to get off my to-do list. And Another strategy is that there are things on your to-do list that you, you know, we talked about last time. There are the things you don't want to do, but you have to do. And um, oftentimes we do all those like kind of quick things <laughs> and, you know, and the things that we want to do, uh, we, we can knock those off our to-do list with a bit more energy. But the research shows that, that really you should, the thing that you really don't want to do that needs to get done, do that first. Because the weight that it comes feels off a lot better. <laughs> yes, right, right. Especially if you if there isn't an arbitrary deadline, 
Um, but that is the other thing is that some of these uh, deadlines we're just we're just creating for ourselves. They're not actually they're not actually anything but arbitrary. They don't have to be done at a particular time. So Faye, we just have a little teeny bit of time left. Was there something that you were like, oh, I really really want to to share this about your experience? And of course, I'm going to have you come back and we're going to deconstruct more of this uh, of this whole awesome. idea. <laughs> perfectly well. But was there something that you really wanted, you know, to either share today or make sure that you um you know, that you put out there for the folks who are joining us for this podcast? Yeah, sure. Um, So I think something that's really important to me that I have to actually remind myself is that Hmm. even though you are able to downsize your to-do list, there are going to be days when your plate is over full and you have to find Mm -hmm. ways to get through it. And that might be adding something at the end of the day that's self-care that you might not really have time for, but you just need to do. So when you feel like you're going to have an over full day, make sure that you you know, overcompensate the next day and take it easy. I, I love that. I'm so glad that you um, said that. This is so. This might sound outrageous, but I <laughs> I did a webinar earlier this week and it was live and it was scheduled from 9 to 11 p.m. and that's because it was um, um, across a whole. It was taking place across the planet, and I made sure that the next day. Um, I I had nothing on my calendar until 11 o'clock in the morning. And that was like, that was a way that I had to take care. I knew I had to take care of myself. And even though I had um, something come up that really could have gone into that slot, I I let it go. And being able to do that and having an accountability partner, this conversation is part of uh, mine and Dave's accountability to each other and also to you. So join us, please, in becoming um, as perfectly whelmed as possible. We look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you, Faye. Thank you.